Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape. Then where the pod? Get the Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. You want some soup? Don't you agree? Another happy landing. All right, welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we have Reed and Blake joining us in the Escape Pod again today for Season 2, Episode 4 of uh, Star Wars The Mandalorian. And uh, you know what? We're, we're going to introduce them right here. So uh, how's it going, Reed and Blake? How's it hey, going? Hey. Uh, not too much. Just uh, finished watching the episode and yeah. thought it was pretty sweet. So happy to be here and talk about it. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, actually, there's a lot to talk about because uh, I took a lot of notes. So, <laughs> uh, um, but actually, before we get into the episode, um, I got to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that we had a very nice email come in, and uh, this is uh, from a dedicated listener of ours. Her name is uh, Shelly, and uh, you know she said, "Hey guys, thanks for a great podcast. In fact, uh, we're the first ever podcast that uh, she's listened to." and uh, it's easily her favorite so that was super encouraging to hear oh that's um, awesome so yeah super great stuff so um, there are fans they do exist they, they do they do they just don't send us a whole lot of emails <laughs> the uh the few the brave yeah yeah exactly well uh, if any of you guys are listening to this uh then uh, you're welcome to do the same so thank you again shelly uh, we had a, a nice discussion about your fan theory, and uh, you, uh, I think we, we did send you a, an email reply. So uh, anyone else looking to do the same, uh, just uh, you know, send us your thoughts on, on whatever, anything you find that uh, you want to take part in the conversation. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if, you, if you hear us chatting about anything that you, you feel like uh, went unsaid, or if you want to add anything or whatever, uh, it would be uh, uh, great if you just sent an email then. So uh, you can do that at the escape pod outlook.com and our twitter feed is at SWEscape podcast and uh it's very easy to find just look for the same logo and uh of course there's always our voicemail option which is uh also listed in the description of each of our episodes but if you want to send one in by typing it in manually it's speakpipe.com slash star wars escape pod you can start an easy recording there and uh we will get that directed into our voicemail address uh, yeah, but just to recap on the uh, fan theory that Shelly sent in as well was uh, something, I, I, you guys saw it, um, it was something about something one of us said uh, during the commentary tracks uh, about the writers creating a variety of actions taken on behalf of the resistance to paint them as virtuous, etc. that's an interesting fan uh, theory. Yeah, I'd yeah. say the same. I'm trying to think of any argument against it and like, I'm not, it, I can't really say much because it does seem like they try to to avoid making the resistance look bad, right? So they don't want to 
uses them to kill any of the, any of the the positive characters. Because I mean, another example is like they could have killed off Chewbacca when Rey used Force lighting, but they didn't do that either. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Actually, yeah. And and here's here's another thing is like when it comes to those movies, I think the focus of like the resistance going out and and other than taking down the first order, they don't have any personal it seems vendetta to try and kill Kylo Ren or Snoke. Like not they're, really, because like if any of them were to have it, it would have been Ray. And you can argue that she had that through the first movie, but yeah. then they have the whole uh, Force link to the second movie. That whole thing kind of gets abolished. So yeah, yeah, they yeah. do. Uh, Sorry, ahead, I was re- just gonna say they do a really good job of painting the Resistance as like the uh, the victim, basically, like the throughout most of the movies. Because like even though they, you know, in the end mm. they have to take that like shot at like uh, destroying whether it's like the uh, uh, planet or whatever, Starkiller base or whatever else, like where they're never the ones pursuing like a particular entity like most of the time whereas like the first order is constantly mm-hmm. like oh we got to find this person or oh we got to find like these resistance fighters like we got to find them and hunt them down and like oh concentrate all for us so, like go after these guys or like in force awakens you know like they come after the the watering hole and stuff like that or like the castle Maz's castle and that kind of thing it's like oh we got to go here and get them and find them and beat them up whereas like the resistance they're pretty much always running away <laughs> they're yeah. just like get out of here run <laughs> I, I always just found that for a, a small fledgling resistance that there wasn't a lot of emphasis on the fact that, hey, let's cut the head off the snake and then watch the rest of the machine just die, right? Yeah. Um, like, I feel like there could have been... Cut the head off the, of the snoke, so you said? Yeah, cut the, cut the head off of the, of the snoke and, uh, you know, unlike Hydra, one more takes its place. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. true. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh, it, it is it is strange that that there's no emphasis put on put on how the resistance is out to to kill either of them at all like through the whole trilogy it's more it's more of a personal sort of thing for ray and ben solo throughout the whole thing whereas in revenge of the sith like anakin turns to the dark side and anakin's known the jedi for years and straight up yoda's like destroy the sith we must <laughs> and so and it's like it's really and, and aggressive that's very uh, aggressive oh, yeah. for yoda especially yeah. from what we know of him in the original trilogy exactly and and, and obi-wan's just like send me to kill the emperor i won't kill anakin did Yoda just speak in an absolute? That's what it's me. Like, it was yeah. an absolute. He yeah, spent man, too much time that. around that cave on Dagobah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's breathed in some uh, some dark side toxins or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Jedi were the ones corrupted. Maybe killing Sidious was, uh, was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the whole thing is uh, up until the point where Yoda loses that fight, um, he realizes that he's that he's failed, right? Yeah. And this is this is a conversation that that I had extensively with Diego back when we were watching the Clone Wars because um, in our Clone Wars talk after series, we were, we were there's a couple of Yoda arcs that happen here and there, and uh, up until the point where Revenge of the Sith happens and he and he realizes that he says failed I have when he gets into the the speeder with Bail Organa. And he's not necessarily just thinking about that fight that he just had. I think I think what he's referring to is just the, the last like 15, 20 years of his, of his life 
Um, and the fact that he was the Grand Master of the Jedi Order and a Jedi Order that was responsible for protecting the public, the Republic, and both of them are now just gone, right? Like, like yeah. he was the guy. It's true. He was the one irresponsible for yeah, for, under his watch. for leading. Uh, exactly, he was. It was and, under and his watch. Yeah, being duped into the war in the first place, right? Yeah, exactly. At that point, and, he must have like he would have realized that they've been played because he finds out that Palpatine is the Emperor and is controlling both sides. So like he. The whole order got played, and it was all really came down to his decision. That's our trap. Yep. Yeah, and and also even even in uh, even in the in the circumstance in in Attack of the Clones when him and Mace Windu, who uh, who I think Mace Windu's official title is like the Master of the Order or something. It's like one step next to Yoda as far as like priority and and you know importance. But um, both of them are kind of discussing what Obi Wan shares over the hologram, being that there's this clone army that's been created for the Republic, and and then uh, Yoda says to Mace Windu, like, "Blind we are if <laughs> if the creation of this clone army we could not see," and and uh, and Mace Windu just looks at him and he just shakes his head and he's and he's and he's like, you know, and then uh, and then I think he says something about. Uh, uh, is to, I think we should inform the Senate that our ability to use the force is diminished. And then Yoda goes on to say, uh, if informed the Senate is, multiply our adversary's will. And so his oh, mentality... They're, they're faking his, it. Yeah, and his mentality is like, no, we can't tell them this. Like, if we tell them, people are going to find out that we're vulnerable. Yeah, we're showing And then, yeah, and then exactly. the enemies are going to come out of the shadows, and we're going to be in, like, deep crap, because now there's going to be deep a lot deep. of stuff to, to, to try and fix, right? Mm-hmm. And, we, and we've already got a, a, a verge of civil war on the on the brink, you know, happening. Yeah. So, um, you and, know, we don't have time to deal with that. And not to dive too far into the EU, but a cause for that originally in the Plagueis books was Plagueis was pushing the, the the overall force into more of a dark side kind of like if it's like a balance he's pushing it more yeah. towards the dark side which then clouds the vision of the light side right yeah yeah that's a good point um like as as far as the the balance of the force goes like the more power that the dark side has um the the more leverage it has over the light side right and that that is actually something that they did kind of bring into canon a little bit because when they're dealing with the whole mortis thing in the clone wars like there's that whole arc that takes place on mortis um the the father who is this representative kind of chosen one figure in the middle between his two children which the daughter represents the light and the son represents the dark um i think it was him or something who shared to anakin that as as long as his son who represents the dark side gains strength so will the war escalate in their galaxy so there's this sort of connection between like this representative figure of this particular side of the force and, and that side of the force and, and whatever happens between these two people that that actually affects the rest of the galaxy at large. Right. Mm-hmm. So in general, if the dark side gains strength and however means necessary, like it, it just necessarily benefits those who use it. And, and so, you know, the dark side, having never been stronger other than in Revenge of the Sith at that very peak moment where all the Jedi are just wiped out, you know, that is like the, the pinnacle of that is the revenge of the Sith. Right. And it's essentially the return of the Sith, because at this point now they've come out on top. 
mm-hmm. they've wiped out the whole Jedi Order. So um, anyway, we've come a long way from uh, Kylo Ren. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we should probably True. get into Mandalorian here. But uh, oh yeah, yeah hey, but, the Mandalorian show. Oh right, that's yeah, what we're talking about. <laughs> I, I could talk, I could talk Clone Wars forever, and I spent I spent forty episodes of this show just doing that. So um, you know, it's it's but it's been a while since I I so we had Diego on chatting about Clone Wars, but mm-hmm. it was uh, it's it's fun. It's it's uh, it, there's so much to talk about with Clone Wars because. It just goes so deep, right? Um, mind you, there's like seven seasons of a show to talk about, but whatever. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of reach um, in there. Yeah, so um, good episode, Mandalorian. Um, I, yeah, I guess I don't know if just feel free to interrupt me if I bypass a moment you want to talk about, or if you have something evolving around the moment I'm referring to. But uh, I'll just start off at the beginning. You know, uh, the first thing I noticed was just this straight up baby Groot comparison with Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, you know, there was there was that moment where he's trying to teach the child how to rewire the ship. And then yeah. uh, and then I was like, OK, yeah, he's like that. That wire goes there and that wire goes there. And and it's like Rocket trying to teach baby Groot. It's like he pushed this button. Yeah, you're right. Push that button. But don't push this button. <laughs> it's just like straight out of the same movie. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, if that's was, good. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. I was just yeah, amazed that he even recognize colors because we thought like he was like a yeah like almost like a newborn kind of yeah it's so brain capacity it's funny because like yeah he's he's a baby but he's 50 years old and Mm. so it's like it's hard to it's kind of interesting because i guess they can kind of get away with doing certain things with that like the child that that you wouldn't like you know like a typical newborn baby because yeah the kid is like 50 years old so there's got to be like something you know he's learned at this point like i don't know how developmentally impinged he is but yeah i i think the best way to put it i think is the way that that ig11 unit put uh put it in the first episode of the first season which is that some some species just age at different rates right so i guess if i were to compare it to like a human child you know, we, we condense like the first kind of three mm. years of their life into this time bracket of it's like, true. okay, they yeah. go from being a completely useless little person to being somewhat I'm competent. I'm and... like completely useless little person. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, lovable, but like they don't do anything. Like you feed them and you yeah. use their diaper and whatever, right? But, yeah, they, they learn to like color and stuff. Dad, yeah, or... they learn to color. They learn to talk, very basic words. They, they learn to walk, maybe run, uh, you know, and... and well, uh, crawled and... Waddle. <laughs> yeah, and they 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 learn in that process. They learn what pain is and all this and that. And and with with the child, he's such a. I mean, if you were to think about it as as a comparison, he's such a guarded figure because not only is he the target of an assassination, but mm. uh, but he's also incompetent of defending himself most of the time. Unless unless of course yeah. that miracle happens and he's able to use the force or whatever. But most of the time, he's been very vulnerable. And while we're touching on that, I don't know if we talked about it before, but that means Yoda's race. When they have a child, they have to take care of it, not just for like eighteen <laughs> years. They got like look after this thing for like like two hundred years, four hundred years. What a curse! Like man, that's oh got to be such a nightmare. Like, could you imagine oh having God. like a newborn child waking you up every night for like fifty years? Oh, dude. it's like, can you imagine being, be, let alone being one of those, one of those, those aliens or whatever and say like, oh, don't worry. It's only the next 150 years of my life, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that would suck. Oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, there, it, it's interesting. This episode in the beginning here, to me at least, 
pointed out the fact that this this child we're we're seeing a growth moment and uh, you know in the in the sense that he's actually like helping him fix his chip he's also able to comprehend colors now and mm-hmm. he's also experiencing what pain is like and learning from mistakes right so and being sent um, to school and being sent to school yeah so like <laughs> like in this episode as well so like big big uh, sort of uh, character growth moments for that character because which is not something I really thought would happen i guess uh, in in my own kind of absent-minded way like i just mm. didn't think that the focus would ever lend out to that character i thought it was all no. centered around mandalorian yeah, protecting this just protecting kid him that, and the, the kid being completely useless and always yeah. like yeah yeah they really haven't used the kids like force powers at all this season like pretty much nothing <laughs> Aside from I think, cookies. Yeah, so yeah which is funny. Cookies, that was the one moment. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, hey, but can use let's be real. Like, if any any kid had force powers, of course you'd be robbing your parents' cookie jar. Oh, right? oh dude, yeah. yeah. Like, sure. hands oh, down. Oh, man, I'd be all over that, dude. Picky oh, man. would be busted wide open. Like, heck, yeah. Yeah. And I just love the look of absolute, like, anger and hatred on that kid's face when his cookies get taken. He's like, if he needs to share... No, <laughs> baby Yoda's like, all right, man. All right, I got this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I mean, that was that was just the first thing that stuck out to me. But um, I, I guess after that, uh, Reed, you pointed out that uh, the alien that shows up when the Razor Crest docks on uh, on uh, was it Navarro. Yeah. Um, that. Uh, the alien there was actually out of out of squadrons you said yep it's uh so in the uh like rebel or alliance campaign uh that your the character takes part in your sort of leader or sergeant or squadron leader or whatever you want to call them her name is uh gunny and so she's kind of this like uh i couldn't it was kind of hard to tell like uh with this alien in this episode like i, I don't know what the species is called but uh, it was kind of hard to tell if it, it would, there was any cybernetics and stuff like that because the character in Squadrons has a little bit of uh, cybernetic, cybernetics yeah. and that kind of thing. But yeah, the, the character's name is Gunny and it's kind of like uh, she kind of like shepherds you through like parts of the, the game yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, it took me a moment to recognize it because it's been a few weeks since I actually picked up the game, which I really need to just like I'm I'm okay. Yeah. This weekend, this upcoming co- weekend, I'm just committed Gotta to it. it. I'm man. gonna like binge the rest of the campaign, yeah, like for the whole day on Saturday or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I have had no time lately, so oh, yeah, so Once yeah. But I, that whole campaign, dude, that's not a face you're gonna forget because you're gonna see it a lot. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, well, exactly. I are, I you're gonna be up first. close and personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and Long I have course. played uh, I have played in VR for for uh, the first uh, the first mission or two, but yeah, I recognized the alien. I was like, how do I know that face? Like, <laughs> it looks so familiar. Um, <laughs> yeah. So thank you for pointing that out. I, uh, yeah. Star Wars Squadrons, everybody, new video game on the market. Um, but Great yeah, um, first time we see a school uh, in live action. We've seen Star Wars schools in the Clone Wars before. But uh, on Not Mandalore, younglings, but, uh, I guess. yeah, see, other than younglings, technically uh, clones. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, but I mean, like uh, students sitting at like desks with their hollow pad or whatever out. Yeah. Um, this is r- the real, like, the first kind of classic, real world sort of depiction yeah. of a School classroom setting. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool, and uh, and and it's you know it's just very. 
very interesting, I guess. Mm -hmm. We just haven't seen that really. Yeah, it's kind of a classic, like, world-building moment, like, reminding us that there's, like, that's what kind of the thing I like about the Mandalorian show, is that it isn't just about, like, the the big-shot heroes and stuff like that, like, saving the galaxy, taking down, like, capital ships and Death Stars. It's, like, on, like, the human, like, relatable level, pretty much. Like, there's typical Mm -hmm. people, like, going about their daily stuff yeah yeah for sure actually that's to add on to that um the uh the school also represents just a growth for uh navarro which at one point being in the first season i mean not only was it a pretty wretched place to be but you had an imperial place uh that warner herzog's like place of operation um and then you also had all those mandalorians underground like yeah. it was not a nice place to hang out you know yeah, it was and, like and, a smuggler's and, den right yeah a, a yeah wretched and, hive of scum and villainy oh totally yeah it was it was basically just a, another another moss isley on a different planet and and uh and now we're actually getting like school with with filled with children which is pretty crazy because it's like i think to me like that kind of represents like the the circle of life within star wars is like you know chaos happens and ensues and then and then like the healing begins sort of thing and you start to see uh the change and mm. you know the the evolution of like the good people rebuilding and like yeah yeah exactly the good people rebuilding you start to see the evolution of like what uh i guess what uh these protagonists of the story that we watch throughout this whole saga including all the movies and whatever uh you start to see the positive outcomes of what they do and how it affects other people yeah so like that mm. whole fight scene in the first in the first season like that just ripped apart the whole town um you know it was at the it was at a bit of a sacrifice but i mean now the imperials are gone all the mandalorians are are off world somewhere and uh i mean what's left is people just people rebuild yeah people rebuild and now it's actually car weathers comes in and takes over as the new mayor Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, and he hires uh, what's what's her face as the uh, the Dune. Yeah, yeah, uh, Dune as she's like the the, uh, marshal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've seen two marshals this season, which I thought was interesting. Yes, yeah, yeah. uh, Cobb Vanth and uh, now Dune, So very cool stuff. Yeah, and poor Ponda Babar and his family there got all shot up with with their with their squirrel pet. (laughs) <laughs> Can you imagine if there was actually his family? Like, just a bunch of scumbags. Like, <laughs> uh, or Walrus face. That 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 rat thing though was kind of creepy looking. Oh man! Oh dude, like, yeah, the eyes? freaking uh, mirror cat with the beady red eyes. Oh, yeah, so yeah. twitchy looking, twitchy and uh, just just like ratty, you know? Like okay, I'm still baffled by the fact that if you look at the concept art at the end, it's breathing fire. Into one of the Ponda Babar's faces. Oh yeah, so it was supposed to be a lava rat. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. That's funny. Wow, I did not know that. Crazy. Actually. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just like that one artwork, but it's like, it's like blowing, blowing flames at this alien. I wonder if that's gonna be canon at some point. Maybe if it makes another appearance, we'll see it like yeah. take someone's face off or whatever. Oh, you can use it as a weapon and just like squeeze it, and it'll like be like a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Working on a sound effect for him now. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to do, do a recording and send it in. Maybe yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll get send, hired. Yeah, send it in to uh, to what Matthew Wood. Just be like up, your application to to. Uh, yeah, I'll to tweet, sound, I'll tweet it at him. Yeah, yeah, to the sound business. <laughs> um, so. 
Uh, let me see. There, there was a speeder that popped up a lot like Luke's, uh, which was pretty cool because, uh, once again, just another reminder, we're in the Star Wars universe and mm-hmm. uh, it's just a, a visual aesthetic that just agrees with me as far yeah, as agreed. design language. They need to keep yeah. doing stuff like that. I think that's actually one of the things people didn't like about the prequels is everything looked super different. And again, with the sequels, it's like nothing's consistent every 30 years, which is annoying. Yeah, although with the prequels, it's uh, it's it's set, you know, quite. Well, I mean, to be fair, the sequels, I guess, are set quite far forward. But the prequels have this, like, uh, depending on what planet you are. If it's a completely different planet that we've never seen before, then it makes sense. But what I like about what the prequels did is, even though stuff did look very different, like the Naboo and One Starfighters, for example, it did feel very consistent within their ecosystem. So like all the ships are like that, like the whole uh, visual aesthetic of their language looks like that, like all the characters, like the rounded characters and everything. Uh, And that flows into like the buildings as well, like the roofs, like the domes on the buildings look like the front of their ships. Like um, it was just and all the chrome and everything. Mm -hmm. It's very uh, luxurious, uh, just like the way that their some of their higher end lifestyle is. And, you know, if you're not super rich and wealthy, uh, then you know, you're still living in a pretty nice place. Like, <laughs> so it's a, yeah, that's what I liked about it is that there's a lot of like good solid world building that just felt consistent in that own little place. Right. Um, I think some things that disagree with me about the sequels is like, there's this random thing that just, uh, doesn't make sense in the place that it is, I guess. Right. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, one of these, one of these speeders popping up, it's like, it's a welcome design because it's like, it's an old trashy planet, you know, a bit like mm-hmm. Tatooine, you know, you might get some old, uh, old speeders showing up that you haven't seen before it makes for a sense, while. Cause and, I mean, it was, I bet the Luke speeder was old when he had it. Right. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and those speeders are all like speeders that would have been like brand new in like the prequel era. Right. Probably, Which is, yeah. Yeah. It could have been those speeders that we saw outside of Dex's diner, you know, like flying along the street. Uh, a very, very brief scene there, but, uh, but you know, those, like, those fast little cars that you saw. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It could have been, could have been like one of those. It's very um, specific. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's the only time that I think we see like a, like a speeder like that. That's the thing. Yeah, like land speeder. Yeah. Aside from, um, aside from in Tatooine where Qui-Gon's walking through the streets of, of, uh, Mos Espa, uh, I think that's like the only time that we see speeders like that was uh on that one shot yeah nothing comes to mind other than that well we see there's the one speeder with a giant cannon on the back in on naboo uh in the the battle yeah the 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 flash speeder yeah 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 Yeah, and there's like like the uh when they meet up or whatever before that part they there's like a bunch of speeders that come in from Mm -hmm. the towns with like I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing about the prequel films uh, is that they didn't necessarily focus in on this sort of uh, wretched kind of hive and villainy sort of world, right? Yeah, whereas, which is a real shame because I think that's part of what people really liked about the original yeah. trilogy. It yeah, was yeah, very... Yeah. Just with, like, yeah. Totally. Scum. Totally. And, and, that, and that's, I think, where, where Clone Wars comes in. It does a great job because, yeah, because it's right in there. E- even though it takes place in that era and the film's focused on a select few amount of characters on other uh, in other places where that wouldn't have been a thing. Uh, the Clone Wars it, it fills that hole and, and kind of tells stories in that environment and in the lower levels of Coruscant and, 
and uh, with bounty hunters, like we get full arcs with just bounty hunters. And, you know, it's like it does a really good job at making that a reality, I guess, for for. Yeah, the prequels kind of just like make reference to stuff sometimes. Like when I think about like the like the Clone Wars in general, it's like, oh, yeah, like this planet's under siege or this place is blockaded and the population is starving. And it's just kind of like they make a mention of it, but we don't really get to, to see that in like the actual prequel movies and stuff like that. We don't see that kind of. Uh, human suffering from like mm -hmm. the rest of the population because you know it's just, the story is just kind of following the heroes right exactly yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, true you really yeah. you really get to see like how the war is affecting other people because like uh, yeah it's really just honed in on the main characters but it, if a lot of that is filled in through the clone wars mm -hmm. a lot of it. yeah a lot of it is for sure um so uh, we got our favorite scumbag uh, uh, alien back who uh, is out for a buck. <laughs> we find uh, that's what he was. Yeah, I was so surprised to see him again, to be honest. I thought he'd be done. Like, we'd never see him again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't think I'd see him either. I was kind of like, well, well, when they had the recap, I was kind of like, oh, are they really going to bring that guy back? And then he was back. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah. like, what are they going to do with him? And it's like, oh, he's basically like uh, a cheating bookie or whatever that tried to dip with a bunch of money and now he's suffering. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so, he fits that character like so well because oh, like, yeah. throughout the whole episode, he's just so lazy. He's so yeah. lazy, miserable. He doesn't want to do anything. Always yeah. complaining. Like, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's, he's like, just out on, man, for himself. This is this is yeah. made for plumbing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's just out for himself. He's an indentured yeah. servant that doesn't want to work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then, he, and then he goes on to complain about the fact that there's no guardrail on a lot of the imperial. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> It was great. It was very football. I like that That's a lot. That's a good moment. Oh, I, man. I love that moment because nobody ever says anything about it. Like, like the, here's the weird thing about most of the films is that they wouldn't take the time in the script to do something like that, right? No. And, and it's, but as fans, it's like we watch it and practically everyone thinking, says it. Why, why yeah. isn't there like a railing or something? Because like, it's these always over this pit of like infinite distance or just no matter what, you're dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah there exactly. any, any safety. Work safety. Yeah, yeah work, safe, work safe is just not there. Work here, safety seats don't exist. Yeah, work, work, safe, work, work safe empire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, empire. They just have the lowest, most trash budget in the world. It's like a room of like five guys that are like just print out a couple pamphlets once in a oh, while, like, not oh, even yeah. holograms. Oh, yeah. You know, like those '90s business videos where like they they record their own safety videos and everyone has to yeah. do the training. It's on like a little tape. Yeah. Like, someone needs to right. do an empire video like that that'd be hilarious oh man like i mean that would be amazing like because i know that they've come up with some pretty good like uh prop propaganda messages that they've played in the background here and there in star wars rebels and had the posters that they did yeah. up and then those showed up in solo as well uh but yeah to do like a to do like an imperial like work safe uh, yeah, video that would be fantastic. Right? Like, I yeah, would love it's to see topic that. that is ripe, ripe for Just another day. Another day is a stormtrooper. Don't step near the edge. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. So, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like the empire is just too cheap to like bother putting a railing up. Um, yeah, man. So yeah, and it Do reminds me of give an actual the, uh, excuse because everyone just assumes it's budget cuts, and that's what my guess it is. But have they ever said any reason? 
It just looks menacing. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it all dates back to when uh, when Ben Kenobi's sneaking around the Death Star. Yeah, and he's got to he's got to turn off the tractor beam. Yeah. The old man is just hanging off this yeah. like ledge just to just to click a few buttons. I'm like, who's the guy that has to do that? Like, like yeah. that job. Well, actually, I wonder if they just get a lot of droids to do that stuff. To be Maybe. honest, like. Could you imagine being like on the Death Star, one of those like imperial like naval troopers with that absolutely whack helmet, trying to like move <laughs> around and like see what you're doing, and you can't even can't look move your down, head. can't look down, like can't even turn your head around without like smacking your head, like you're not. Dude, well, oh man, it'd be a nightmare. Man. I mean, like they can make a thermal exhaust port two meters wide, but they can't make their walkways two meters wide. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's like whatever, whatever. Oh man. Um, anyway, Empire is not the best employer, that's for sure. <laughs> um, so we got a really crazy, uh, a, a little crazy like Easter egg that that uh, this is revealed uh, to be the reason why there's an imperial base here in the first place, and um, this sort of may or may not end up connecting to some of the the books and stuff that have come out over the last couple of years. But uh, the large fan theory out there is that those Bacta tanks have... Uh, Snokes? On, on, yeah, have Snokes in them, basically. Yeah, I don't, that was my first thought, was those are like Snokes in there. They're like they're yeah. in the process of figuring out how to make, create or clone some sort of force-wielding uh, entity. Yeah. And that would eventually lead into Snoke. So that'd be like the same kind of like cylinders or back yeah. tanks that we see the unprocessed Snokes next to the Emperor on uh, and well, well, and here's the here's the thing because at this point, see, I imagine that they, now this has not necessarily been absolutely confirmed, but this is. Essentially, what I imagine the end of Return of the, Jedi, the, the Return of the Jedi to be now that that movie has changed due to Rise of Skywalker. But um, when the Emperor is tossed down the hole and that big, huge like beam of light comes up and whatever, is that that's kind of like his soul, I guess, being like transferred into his body on Exegol, which yeah. I'm assuming I'm that's assuming is already is already made, right? That's so, what I thought too, because they're all. Is this soul just in limbo while they create it? Like I assumed it was already ready to go. That's just it. That's just it. I think I that's that's my theory at least is that it would be ready to go and that he that this is all part of his grand plan is that is that he then now which obviously up until like 2 years before that movie came out that was not the plan at all but thanks yeah. to JJ Abrams we have to try and think this way, right? So <laughs> so like JJ is saying this was his plan all along. It's like, "All right, whatever." Um so that being said, that means that there's probably a body on Exegol right now that he's currently living in on his mechanical arm thing and he's got uh the very uh beginning tangents of the first order trying to trying to start something up here because um one of those officers referred to um that spy that placed a tracker tracking beacon on the the razor crest near the end of the episode uh she referred to uh that guy as being a uh, someone who would be rewarded in the new era. Yeah, which definitely was alluding to the First Order. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. Well, so, so for me, like, I didn't uh, really right away assume that those like clone, like attempted clones or whatever, would be like uh, Obsidious or anything like that. Because at that point, I was kind of like, all right, it's already kind of late to the party. Because like we know 
<laughs> that technically Sidious would have already been cloned if he's, you know, like alive on Hexagon and yeah. all that jazz. But like, I kind of, it reminded me of like, uh, maybe not the most canon video game in the world, uh, The Force Unleashed 2 or whatever, because that <laughs> was kind of a main theme of that video game was that. He was um, a clone. Yeah. He was, yeah, a clone and stuff like that. And then you fight, uh, like, clones of yourself very, uh, at one point in the game um but it like it, it kind of just like reminded me of like or, or it helped me to understand i guess like oh okay so this is kind of what they're doing like they're trying to like clone like force users type of type of thing that they yeah. can uh uh yeah thrall to their uh to the empire's will and stuff like that mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it previous to that game i th- I don't know if it was ever in, a, in EU canon or not, but it was kind of always alluded to that you couldn't clone Force users. Like yeah. if you cloned them, they just wouldn't be Force sensitive. Right. Yeah. And, and the- I think that's I think that's something that uh, something at least of an issue that they're actually running into with with uh, with well, I mean Palpatine in Episode Nine, obviously he managed to make it work, but uh, but I think that might be something in regards to. Uh, the fact that they can't get this to work because the M count isn't high enough, and that's obviously pointing towards the, the midichlorian count. Yeah, um, and uh, they just didn't so, want to use that word M count. <laughs> I, I think I, either that. Well, see, now this is Dave Filoni, so like I, I don't think that they were necessarily afraid to use the word. More or less, that they were trying to make a slang word for it, um, mm. so that so that it not only takes the pressure off of just the word midichlorian, but also kind of makes it seem as if, hey, this doctor, not only is he a non-Jedi person that knows about these midichlorians, knows what he's talking about, but uh, it's being used in a very, like, doctoral sort of professional manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, hey, his M count is low, or like his red blood cell count is low, you know, like anything yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, but I can go the M count. interesting then to think about the fact that they were doing, like, blood transfusions. So that would then, in yeah. theory, increase your metachlorian count. So yeah. So uh, so the way that I guess the way that it works, at least basically the way that Qui Gon explains it all the way in the Phantom Menace, is that the midichlorians are these are these microscopic life forms that live uh, on in in your in your blood, I guess, on your cells, right? Um, uh, and they uh, they they communicate with the Force and and uh, and and all that, and and it's like. I think what they're trying to do is essentially extract those midichlorians from the blood and port them into mm-hmm. this volunteer. And he talks about this person who is a volunteer and, and uh, refers to this volunteer by no name at all. He just refers to them as the volunteer. Who the volunteer is, no idea. Um, that's that's a mystery to me. And uh, I don't know if it has something to do with the bodies in the tanks, but uh, if if there is a volunteer of some kind, if this isn't Snoke at all, and uh, and that being said, maybe Snoke is uh, a failed replication of somebody who isn't Snoke at all, and they were trying to clone that person and it didn't work out. But um, if Snoke is out of the picture right now and this is something new entirely, who do you guys think the volunteer would be? Because... Um. This is obviously a force wielding person. Well, like, to... so is it volunteer or volunteers plural? Volunteer. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, my. So I guess when I listened to it, I kind of like assumed like volunteers plural. Because, um, like, when I was watching it, my overall speculation was that 
Um, cause the empire always likes to like simplify and go kind of for quantity over like quality necessarily. And so I was kind of like, oh, like they're trying to like manufacture like force wielding people at this point. Right. And trying to like replicate the process so they can just make more of them, more and more of them over and over and over again. Cause like kind of right. at the uh, end of the episode, we sort of see what looks to be like, I don't know if they were like supposed to be like uh, death troopers or some kind of new uh, Imperial yeah. trooper that we haven't seen before and stuff like that. So I was like, it looked more like that. droids. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll actually get into that. But uh, yeah, what we uh, what was that about those? Yeah, but I just was like, oh, maybe they're trying to like basically like create some sort of like force using like super soldier or whatever and try to like right. industrialize that and make as many of them as possible. But I mean, I, I it's probably I'm probably wrong. That was just at the time because, like I said, I kind of just like heard it volunteers plural and so i just assume these are just like a bunch of imperial uh, mm -hmm. troopers of some sort that are like hey yeah make me a super soldier but i guess if there's like one singular volunteer like yeah i have no idea yeah um <clears throat> yeah i like the idea that uh perhaps they're trying to with those bodies in the tanks if it's not snoke at all because Which feels like the most obvious answer it, honestly it, if it if it's not snoke or, or if it is that snoke would be snoke yeah, yeah, because the, the, the music is dark and ominous and feels exactly like the same music that Palpatine has when he's talking to Anakin in the opera or when uh, Kylo Ren is talking to Snoke in his throne room. It feels it's it's the exact same song. So um, I feel like if it if it isn't Snoke, because like, let's just assume that it is. But for the sake of uh, speculation, let's say that it's something new entirely. Um you know the there's there's this volun there's this unknown volunteer person or whatever um and uh like it, it makes me think like who this person is like i i'm super curious because Do you think they're already in canon somewhere or is it someone new i would have i would have leaned towards somebody new i would lean to that i would lean to that but it makes me wonder if this volunteer is somebody that maybe we've seen before like is this a person that um is this because this is obviously a person that's alive because uh, because uh, they said something about how the volunteer would die if I got it I know who it is who's that it's Broom Boy Broom Boy <laughs> it's got to be Broom Boy <laughs> I mean Broom Boy is not even alive yet but uh, <laughs> yeah because they're creating him right now <laughs> they're creating him I got it. I got you I got you for um, real though. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my mystery solved. Yeah, tank. The volunteer could very likely be uh possibly an inquisitor that just never died. Um uh, that was maybe perhaps Do you think by they're already force sensitive and they're trying to become more powerful? I you... think that might be a, a likely outcome. Okay, because yeah. like I yeah. To me, it seemed, and this is just off my speculation and my intuition, it seems more like they were trying to take somebody who's not Force-sensitive and make them Force-sensitive. So it'd be mm -hmm. somebody who's not Force-sensitive at all. Maybe it could be like a, a Knight of Ren or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's it, it boggles my mind to think that this is now where the show is kind of headed. And I was I got super excited when I saw that tank. And here's the thing. Like, I don't even like those movies, like the, the sequel films, right? But what, what this show is trying to do is is trying to fill bridge the gap, bridge the gap, right? And I appreciate that, even though I I I 
just can't get on board with the sequels at all. Like they just disagree with me in every way, shape and form. But the way that the way that this story is progressing, I can appreciate that uh, that this is what they're trying to do is, is make those movies make more sense and give them relevance. Like I'm, I'm on board with that because I mean, we, we have them, right? Like they're, they're yeah. out there. Well, I, they exist. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're, these uh, third party shows, I say that because they're not like the, uh, that in like Clone Wars, not an actual theatrical movie. They're almost there to like fill in the, the parts of the movies that kind of were a little lackluster. Yeah, and like like, so, help, like Clone help Wars, audiences, I guess, understand those films. Better. Exactly. So like Clone Wars filled in a lot of blanks for the the, the prequel movies that were just left feeling kind of kind of rough edged or like didn't entirely yeah. make sense or just left mm-hmm. people confused. They really filled in a lot of that gap, and then yeah. you can say that this then is trying to actually bridge the gap of how First Order came to be and everything. Like, that could be a, a potential direction they're going to go. We don't actually know that yet. But yeah, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to do that because we the only show we have pre sequel movies right now is the kids animated show, right? Yeah, it's just Star Wars Rebels and and Star Wars and, uh, Resistance and oh sorry yeah sorry you mean the other one yeah it's just Star Wars Resistance which which um, it's pretty much right in the era of First Order so we don't have anything pre First yeah. Order post Jedi no like there's very few that I think the part of the first actually it's most of the first season takes place before the force awakens and then uh the rest of the first season slash season two covers the force awakens uh in in a different part of the space or whatever oh, okay and then, i thought and, it was completely before yeah and then it actually goes all the way up until like the end of the last jedi sort of thing so like mm-hmm. the second season kind of bridges that gap so the, the first season it starts before those films and the, and by the end of the show you are midway through those trilogy or through that trilogy uh so to say um so it, it does actually fill in a bit of the political stuff in a very very basic way yeah i mean it is like a young preteen show so. yeah and 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 yeah whereas clone wars got even deep way deeper into the politics whereas this show is even for like a younger audience so um it, it was very kind of lackluster in, in some areas but but i appreciated it for some things uh and and like you know it wasn't it wasn't terrible it, it's de- easily my least favorite animated show that's got put out so far but um yeah it wasn't it took me a bit to get on board but it wasn't garbage uh mm-hmm. once i accepted it for what it was um hold I'm, on okay. so, something just dawned on me here that might make you kind of happy josh so let's say theoretically that they are creating the thing entirely from like a, a cloning system not a previous person but they're, they're creating snoke Right, and if they're using the child's blood, and let's say the child's blood has a, obviously will have a high metachlorian count because the same race as Yoda. Now, this is a part that you're going to be happy about. So that means that Snoke will be an extremely powerful Force user because he would have the same metachlorian count as Yoda, and Yoda did not have a higher metachlorian count than Anakin. So that means Anakin would still be the most powerful Force user ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that, that is true. I could yeah. see them doing something like that. Actually, would make a lot of sense because it's not going to be this new thing that's more powerful than Anakin that just kind of came out of nowhere. Because I know that was yeah. something that really chided you pretty badly, and it's still 
I think it, it fixes that problem because a lot of people were left to assume that, right? Because that's what they kind of alluded to in the sequels. And that seems like a Dave Filoni thing to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I like I like where they're going with the show, honestly. Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good hooks that they're that they're driving in at the right spot. And uh uh it's I mean, when they brought in the child to begin with, it's like, okay, we got this super powerful, like fifty year old baby. And like where is this going? Right? Like like it's like, okay, like end goal, return it to its kind or the Jedi to to look after whatever right like but that's a very straightforward objective to achieve and then you know to have just all these interruptions that take place kind of every week to week it's like it, it really becomes that kind of you know sunday morning cartoon serialized sort of plot you know where it's like you have a season and it's like the beginning of the season they're on the mission every episode after that it's like feels either filler or like yeah. a, a blockage towards that objective and then by the end of the season they accomplish the goal done right yeah um and 27 episodes to get there <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so so this though to me this feels like it's like all right i can get on board with this because now it's more uh, it's more than just about this kid like now we're taking these characters that a lot of people who weren't that familiar with this show who said to me personally, oh, I enjoy The Mandalorian and not so much the films because The Mandalorian sort of exists on its own. And I'm yeah. like, dude, no, it doesn't. Like like this show is yeah, like I remember talking to a, off specifically of a co-worker we worked with about this exact thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a friend of ours. Yeah. And, and it's like. It's like, man, like, uh, I, I can see where you're going with this. But at the same time, it's like we're, we're eight episodes into a show with the first season. It's like, you know, I, I guarantee you, you know, as soon, down the road, like you'll, 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 you'll get a better sense of. And this is actually some speculation that I had before this season started was that this season was going to be the season to root this show in the timeline a lot better uh, to help people kind of avoid calling the child Baby Yoda and confusing yeah. a lot of people who actually think it's a prequel show when it's not right yeah so many um, people think that that actually is yoda yeah and a it's like as long as they know here's the thing as long as people know that like this show takes place after the george lucas uh saga which you know one through six yeah i'm fine with that like you know call it baby yoda all you like but the problem the issue i have is that it's misleading people as to like what this whole show is about right so um that's that's what i take issue with the whole like baby yoda name um, yeah no because, it's true it's more confusing to the normies yeah because then it's just affecting like the plot and everything right because then it's like it's like well the, the whole backstory of this plot has now changed because like, you know, what empire are they talking about then? Or, you know, this and that and all these things. Yeah, it's like, like, it's like, it's like, no, this, this show takes place here. And now we have <laughs> a lot more relevance to the movies. And I love this like hook to the next movies because it's like, it's, it's just rooting the show further in to that timeline uh, to make more sense, I guess, you know, from a chronological point of view, if you were to go through the whole series, it's like, you know, if you didn't watch this show, there won't there won't be things that make sense in the next couple of films, right? Um, and and so whenever I recommend anybody who hasn't seen Star Wars before, I always say watch the films in a chronological order because there's things about watching them that way that that will make sense as you go along, 
And uh, if you have the time to throw in the animated shows, that's even better because now you know who Sifidius is. Now you know who. Uh, yeah, it who, fills in uh, a lot, of, a lot of throwaway names and events, right? Yeah, and and now, and oh look, now you know that Maul comes back and uh, survives and gets away, and that's why he pops up in Solo, and and now you know what happens to him in Rebels, and you know there's all these things that make sense more if you just watch them in order. Um, and it wasn't as simple, I guess, when we only had the six movies and maybe one animated show. It was a lot easier for, I guess, generally speaking, um, anybody to kind of recommend, oh, just watch them in release order or, you know, watch them in chronological. There's almost no decision making process now. It's like, you know, the best way yeah, to get the story point, is chronologically. Because there is yeah. so much, you're almost forced to do it. Because before the sequels came out, I remember a lot of people were uh, big advocates of the machete order. Yeah. So, yeah. but that doesn't really work anymore if you include any of the spin-off movies or even the sequels. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. You could argue the machete order would be just the story of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And it works for that, but now there's a lot of like extra material that makes it very clunky. Yeah, yeah, it for sure. Yeah. Um just out of curiosity, uh read what what order are you kind of an advocate for uh, prior to all this extra stuff that's now come out? Um, what do you mean? Like, like, uh, like b- before, before Disney acquisition, we just had the George Lucas six films and the, the animated Clone Wars series. If you were to recommend to anybody just to watch Star Wars, who'd never seen Star Wars before, would you sit them down and watch the Phantom Menace or would you sit them down and watch a new hope? Man, um, so I've always been like an OG film fan. So like I start them with the original trilogy and then go back and prequel it up. And then after the prequels, I guess I get them to, uh, to watch Rogue One as well. And then like it kind of comes full loop. And then they're like, oh, man, right? Like so cool. Mm. Or at least that's kind of like when I watch the films and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, I had a great time when we watched the films, like um, starting from Phantom Menace and stuff like that, because that's kind of like mm-hmm. the how everything like falls together. Um, but at the same time, like it's I think it's because uh, like I've already watched all the movies that I'm like, oh, yeah, like there's so many things that like they allude to in the original trilogy that they bring out in mm-hmm. the um like the the prequels and stuff like that that you're kind of that are kind of like aha moments and so it's like it makes it more re- rewarding for me i think like when i watch it but um so so like now like when i watch it i can ha- i don't have a problem with watching like the prequels first because i'm like because you know i I've seen the movies enough times that I kind of, right, I yeah. kind of know what happens and stuff like that. But like, I, yeah, like the original trilogy is like, for me, it's just like, it's classic. Um, mm-hmm. And so I enjoy watching. And I think too, like part of it is that the original trilogy too is, is quite old. Like this is quite a bit older, even than the the prequels, which are kind of, mm-hmm. old at this point yeah. too. and so I think it's harder to make someone like watch the prequels and then go to the trilogy, which has like that, 
very cool but still like older like classic uh effects and and like uh, practical effects and stuff like that and then if if like for whatever reason they want to watch the the new movies uh then it's like kind of a shock back into uh mostly cg and stuff like that so it's yeah i'm kind of i've kind of always favored the original movies because that's kind of like what i grew up with like because when i was a kid Mm -hmm. Um, like the only movie that was of the prequels that was out at that point was the Phantom Phantom Menace, and so yeah. all the other original trilogy were already out though. So it wasn't until like right. Clone Wars came out when we were kids, uh, which I don't think I saw Clone Wars in theaters. I think I rented it on v- VHS or something like that a few times. VHS then, really was Clone Wars actually on VHS I am in two thousand eight? Sure, yeah. Wow. And then, I can't believe uh, I, th- I, I thought they were all gone by 2008. I think so. I think it was. I don't know, but like when Revenge of the Sith, I saw in theater, and that one yeah. was for sure not uh, VHS that, or whatever. But that like, was, that one that one was yeah that was 2005. I definitely remember them actually uh, uh, releasing a VHS on purpose because all the previous ones had a VHS, and yes. so yes. anybody <laughs> who bought yeah. So they I, wanted the set, yeah, yeah. So it was one of the only new VHSs that you could buy at that yeah. point. There was like no others in store, though. Yeah, but so for me, like, so my dad had all the Star Wars movies. So he had Phantom Menace on VHS, and then he had the other three like special edition movies on VHS as well. I think, or like it was that, or like I knew like friends and stuff that did. So it was always like for me, like the original trilogy was just like my favorite ones because it was kind of like. I, I always really hated uh i've always kind of really hated cliffhangers like that's why i have a hard time watching tv shows because i hate being kind of like left there waiting for like the next episode type <laughs> yeah. of thing that's it's, what those shows run on man I mean, yeah these exactly days, these days i hate you gotta wait I like, can't stand it. like that's why I, I don't mind like binge watching stuff or like i mean mandalorian i'm willing to suffer through it but like the, yeah, bad too. I, I, just, I have to binge watch tv shows because i just hate so much that they make me like sit and wait and then like i'm sitting like watching commercials for half the thing too it drives me nuts but we, I digress. we live in a different world now where you can do that you know yeah, yeah. For I, sure. I, I see i've uh, i've always just uh i mean i i find it like a luxury thing still to be able to binge anything at all because yeah i mean uh we all come out of the time where tv existed without having any streaming services so um, yeah. not, not only did my family just not watch TV cause we didn't pay for cable, never have. Um, but, uh, but if there was a show or whatever, in my older age, I was able to, uh, you know, find ways to watch it online. Right. Mm. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, I still had to wait week to week to, to get the next episode of whatever it was I was watching, you know, big bang theory or otherwise, um, you know, I still had to still have to wait for that, for that next episode. But, uh, but yeah, these days, uh, we're super lucky to have have these like just massive binge drops you know that they do um yeah 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 it's nice but yeah so i've always kind of yeah like because at that time right like fandom menace like to me i was so young like as a stent like i i didn't understand like the scope of it or anything to me it was just like cool a star wars movie but it was just kind of standalone at that point like you know we didn't get Mm. clone wars or revenge of the sith yet uh so yeah the original trilogy was kind of always like the like where it was for me Mm -hmm. and yeah i think like going back to like i was saying like i think it's hard to make people 
uh, like go from watching the prequels to watching the original trilogy because it's because uh, of the time difference. Like the effects are just so such a big difference in the effects. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess for first time viewers, it's a bit of a it, it's a bit of a rough transition going. If you do watch them chronologically, that is, yeah. it's a bit of a rough transition going from those those prequels into these films that that all all of a sudden were you know we're going back like 40 years or whatever but uh that's why i love i love rogue one quite a bit because it is it's a movie that not only bridges that gap so perfectly uh but uh i mean story-wise that you you get kind of if you watch that and a new hope back to back you just get projectiled into this old movie having the hype of that new movie behind you and only you know within 20 minutes or whatever of seeing vader just rip up the bunch of rebels in the hallway that that it's like you have this pre-existing sort of idea of these characters that normally I guess you wouldn't have if you watch those ones first because yes you know the, Vader just shows up and he's like and by today's standards of watching a kids movie you know kids are so desensitized right you know Vader shows up it's like oh it's a dude in a dark helmet yeah um, and and uh, you know, but, that's you so know much ba- more, back right? in forty yeah. years ago like I mean. Uh, you know, I'm sure uh, I'm sure our, our avid listener um, uh, <laughs> Shelley Shelley can probably probably agree with us on this. But but Vader was probably this terrifying dude like back then, right? Like like uh, like I mean, you know, you had this this kids movie that well designed for younger viewers ish, and uh, and you shows up and it's the most terrifying thing you probably ever seen back then. For I mean, for you was designed to look scary, right? I mean, he's like oh, yeah. he's got like a a robot skeleton like skull for a face right yeah yeah and and now by today's standards you get uh villains of the same level of intimidation like like yeah. thanos or whatever and they're just so lifelike right yeah and uh and and vader is just this very robotic mechanical kind of, yeah yeah and i mean he's scary but i mean what have we actually seen him done not much right so it's for me it's actually it's just like a personal preference i guess but but i like watching a new hope back to back with rogue one on purpose because you know i like having that sort of mental image of like yeah. that's that's who that guy is right and then uh yeah. you go into the next movie where he's choking someone to death which is you know it's pretty intimidating but mm. uh the fight with, with obi-wan's nothing special yeah so, and i think um, true yeah i think to me too though kind of like kind of like i guess i'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit like for the way that i would get someone to watch the movies because like to me uh rogue one is to me like the epitome of like a fan film pretty much like it it was made to like for Mm -hmm. fans like we fans can appreciate that movie like no one else can like if you're just like watching the movies in chronological order and stuff like that it's still like there's still awesome movies but there's no way you're gonna appreciate like the things happening in rogue one the way that we can right like mm, i remember yeah, like sure. being in the theater watching rogue one i was like holy crap like this is so freaking awesome man like those mm. moments they had with vader were just so well done because it wasn't Dude, so I had, cool. I had the, I had the yeah. biggest smile on my face when Dude, i watched yeah. it and that's exactly it though right whereas like someone else is just like whoa like it, it's still a, like a super cool menacing character but they're not gonna like appreciate it to the same level that yeah we are. it wasn't that like 40 years of waiting to see the power of darth vader exactly yeah. right like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> there yeah, yeah so it's just, there's so much more gravitas and that's kind of where like like i think they failed so much with the the sequels and stuff is that they didn't 
do a very very good job of making them fan films fan films excuse me I, yeah i think they were more after the nostalgia over over fan yeah uh, uh, servicing i guess or, yeah. or whatever you want to call it but uh yeah and actually i had the conversation at some point on this show uh about the difference between you know hitting that nostalgia button and and yeah. uh, just doing something to to pay service to fans you know and there's there's that in between which does both but i think force awakens is one of those movies that just smashes that nostalgia button so hard that's like we got nothing new it. out of that movie <laughs> they smashed yeah. it so hard they broke it and then they oh spent yeah the last two movies trying to put it back together and it didn't work <laughs> yeah yeah totally totally absolutely um okay so there's one more thing i want to cover in this this mandalorian episode uh which was uh what you brought up which was those suits in the room Yes. Uh, my my genuine theory, um, and this is something that uh, other people I've noticed online have been speculating on, is that they're actually uh, dark troopers. So, uh, oh, like from the game? Uh, yeah. So, so if anyone is oh. uh, familiar with uh, Galactic Battlegrounds or Star Wars Dark Forces, uh, which is a fairly old game, even Star Wars Galaxies, oh, okay. uh, Empire at War, <laughs> uh, like- Jedi Knight, Mysteries of the Sith, like. Uh, they were, yes. Yeah, they were run quite a lot, but they've never been officially canonized since so, the uh, everything was wiped out. So That's my right. sorry, the dark trooper that I know is the one from Star Wars Battlefront Two that had like an E eleven blaster that shot out electricity, and he had a jet, yeah, black, yeah. jet pack, and but looked like a normal stormtrooper, but with like black shiny armor or whatever. Oh, the shadow trooper. Oh, yeah. the shadow trooper. Okay. Yeah, the I don't shadow know. I trooper. It, was in the game, trooper. yeah, in Battlefront Two, the the original one, they were called dark troopers, but yeah. in the novels and stuff, I think they were shadow troopers. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's very convoluted. Yeah. And dark yeah, troopers very, very... were like completely droids. They there weren't humans at all. Yeah, like, like, yeah. And yeah, I dark humanoids were. Uh, there was three originally. There was three three phases of the dark trooper. So the phase one was completely unmanned. It was fully robotic. Uh, the second phase was more or less what we see as far as the costume goes in this show. Um, they had uh, they had a, a, an ability to have a, a person inside the suit, and it was kind of like a mech suit, and uh, it was able to uh, it was uh, it was sealed and had the oxygen tanks and everything like that, and uh, heavy weaponized. And then the phase three were just like tank suits, like those were like Hulkbuster level <laughs> size so, things. So this is and, where I kind of want to stab, like take a stab a little bit. Like I got mad Warhammer Space Marine vibes off of those. Yeah, they totally <laughs> yeah. are. It's very much like, so. I totally. did like you talking about Space Three. I was like, someone was reading or like, you know, like playing a little bit of a uh, Warhammer 40k and was like, hey man, let's uh, let's uh, cross over a little bit of this uh, Space Marine goodness to to Star Wars and see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Actually, if they were suits, that'd be pretty cool instead of just droids. Yeah, I think yeah. That would be more um, the phase two sure. and three are are suits, and it looks to me as if this if this is dark troopers uh, that uh, they they would be in the phase two or three, and maybe they're maybe in canon now they're skipping the whole phase thing altogether and just going for dark trooper. Yeah, uh, maybe. Which I can probably I can get on board with that too. But um, yeah, they also they did show up in a book called the uh, Imperial Handbook, which is uh, behind me. Uh, you guys are on the video with me, so you can see I got the uh, the Jedi Order. <laughs> book over 
over here and I've got the Sith, the, the, the book of Sith in that corner yeah. over there in the case. So, uh, so they, they, yeah, so they, they came up with, uh, all oh yeah, it's, it's, yep. dude, it's the display, man. It's the display. So I, I, uh, there was, the there was two others. Josh, you need a <laughs> rebel, like Alliance pilot helmet in the, yeah, dude. the stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah. The thing I'll get into that helmet later, but, uh, so, okay. So the, um, uh, they, they released a few others. There was a bounty hunter one, there was a rebel one, and, uh, there was an imperial one. Uh, the imperial one was published around the same time that the canon legends thing was a big deal. And they were kind of branding all expanded universes legends. So this book is actually considered legends, but, uh, the dark trooper did show up in that and, uh, referenced of, of course their appearances in, in, uh, the eras that I guess they showed in. But uh, the concept, I guess, has always been there to have this kind of mech suit for an Imperial Stormtrooper, and it's always been called a Dark Trooper. And generally speaking, uh, they show up around this sort of time in the timeline. Oh, really? And uh, I actually have a, uh, I, I believe so, yeah. And, and I actually have a Star Wars miniature, because I have like 300 or 200 something or another of these Star Wars miniature game pieces from uh, Wizards of the Coast game, Star Wars miniatures. And uh, I have a, a phase two dark trooper miniature and it's about twice as tall as a normal guy. So okay. uh, in a, as a sense of scale, yeah. that's generally sort of how big they are. So what we yeah. see, yeah. Yeah, it is generally pretty accurate to what we see. And that's why so many people are like, yeah, these are dark troopers and freaking out about it because um, yeah, they're, they're a big deal. <laughs> so, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Hopefully it is that. I'd rather than do that than bring in something else entirely different when they had something like this at their disposal yeah 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 exactly so uh before i talk about the helmet thing uh was there anything either of you guys had written down and wanted to bring up that i may have missed or didn't cover yeah there's one thing i wanted to briefly chat about that that metal that the x-wing pilot like kind of like drops off to care dune if it is a metal because right. like i know oh, yeah. we talked about that briefly when we're watching it mm-hmm. uh, but it seems weird to me that he would just have this metal on him that just hand her so I think it's more likely that because he was trying to recruit her. So I wonder if maybe that's like a recruitment card or something for the rebels. Well, so my thought that I had kind of mentioned to you guys earlier too was that so like w- we remember from Rise of Skywalker, like when they're trying to get off that planet that I don't remember the name of, and maybe was the name was never given to us. I don't know, but uh, like you know the kind of wintry one or whatever. Where the, like the stormtroopers are going uh, full Nazis, like uh, Night of the Long Knives, and kicking down doors and stuff like that, and mm, the, yeah. like their criminal smuggler friend, like when they do get off, she gives him like I can't remember what it was specifically. I think he's like a captain's medallion or something like that. Yeah, is that what it was? They needed to break into or to get onto the ship, break or through the or uh, yeah, something like that to get off world. Yeah, uh, like to get passage basically and so that's kind of what i thought that medallion could be because yeah it seemed really odd to me too that he would just have like this obnoxiously large metal like hanging around with him while he's on duty like on patrol and stuff like that so mm. i was kind of like oh maybe this is kind of like the it's like a clearance pass right yeah it's kind of like a their uh well i guess he's not alliance or rebel alliance anymore but you know this is kind of their equivalent of like what that captain's medallion would be because i guess i can see that so he he gave her like a clearance pass so if she changes her mind about being recruited she can get in without being shot down yeah or like yeah it's it's, maybe it would work the same way that like yeah the the captain's medallion did where it's like gives them 
yeah, like safe passage or like a call in a favor type of deal. I don't mm. know. So, but yeah, that's that was kind of my speculation. But who knows? Maybe it is just a giant chunk of metal. That, like, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, interesting. That's a good point. Um, yeah, because like the fact that they actually took the time to have him try to recruit her, like, oh, we could use soldiers like you. He's like, nah, I'm not interested. That's that's got to be foreshadowing for something. Oh, so yeah. I wonder if they're gonna slowly have maybe just her but maybe also mando start to work more with the, the new yeah. republic so that was the other thing i was going to mention is that because he also talks about how like oh there's something there's a pattern here there's something going on that no one's paying attention to and the like the new republic's not paying attention to and stuff like that we need to work together to like uh figure this thing out and deal with it before it becomes like too much for us to handle so i definitely think like we're gonna mm. see more because i mean we're seeing more and more empire too and not just like the trash like uh uh bummed out stormtroopers that we saw from the start of the first season and stuff like that we're starting to see like the crack like frontline like crisp new uniformed stormtroopers and stuff like that like more and more often and i think we're going to start seeing a lot more like new republic uh stuff like more and more often or at least more of these guys for sure i i certainly hope so because because they make it very clear in the sequel films that the the new republic is a demilitarized government so uh what's left of the rebellion is currently acting like a police force trying to keep everything together yeah. Um, and 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 I like that they've acknowledged the fact that that a lot of people in the in the rebellion who have now become part of the new republic, they're like, hey, we got our office back. Boom. Fight's over. And and they don't care anymore about about what happens in the outer rim. They're like, hey, we got the core back. Uh, that's all that matters for now. Let's not worry about what's going on out there. And uh, and and uh, what's his face? Uh, I, I don't even know his character's name. Um, he, uh, he's like one of these more sensible guys that's out there seeing this stuff. And he's like, Kate, there's been patterns of, of these outlying Imperial bases and, and, and whatever showing up here and there. And, uh, quite frankly, like I'm getting concerned because, you know, nobody in the inner, in the inner rim or in the core world really knows or cares about any of this stuff. And every, every time I report back to give them the news and, uh, tell them, but it was taken care of. They're probably just like, eh, well, whatever. Just just keep on the patrolling, you know, try and find something worth uh, worth the New Republic's time. Of yeah, day like I'm sure like the New Republic's got plenty it's already preoccupied with, like within the New Republic, considering that they're kind of like, man, we don't really need much of a military anymore, even though like we're barely holding on to what we have. It's ironic that they would want to do that immediately after taking like fighting this giant war machine of an empire not thinking that there anything else could possibly you know come up against them yeah exactly exactly like like they think they've already won uh obviously they they're they're, they're wrong because uh yeah you know there's this there's this fledgling threat out there that they tend to not yeah. acknowledge up until like the very last second and then they all get blown away yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and i so. think i think an interesting thing too to like appreciate the like the the scope of like the galactic civil war so like that guy i can't remember what his character's name is uh the x-wing pilot but he's like he's like oh like he you know when he's talking to uh the gal the marshal he's like oh yeah like you know i was uh uh 
in service like i was serving like when alderaan was destroyed and stuff like that which like yeah. happened a really long time ago like in the scope At this of, point like, yeah it would have been yeah and so for him to like still be like going out and around like because they're strapped so thin that he's like i still need to like be here like flying around like trying to deal with stuff like that like to me that's like that's crazy so it's like i guess like when I think about like the new Republic demilitarizing, I'm like, man, this has gone on for a really long time and it's really hard to keep up like enthusiasm, like yeah. fighting the empire and stuff like that for that long. So it's only like kind of the, I mean, cause it's been, um, you're right. You know, and it's been four years since the battle of Jakku, which was a year after, uh, the battle of Endor in return of the Jedi. Yeah. And the battle of Jakku is supposed to, uh, be, yeah. Um, the end right yeah like that's supposed to be uh the the end game essentially for the empire um in fact in chuck wendig's trilogy of aftermath novels the third one is called um is called uh, empire's end yeah. and uh yeah. and it completely it, it refers to the fact that this giant plot over the over the uh the contingency plan that also plays a place in the battlefront 2 campaign um all kind of comes to a, a close in this last final story and uh, the Empire kind of lures the New Republic slash the Rebellion, I guess, into this battle above Jakku. And the whole plan that Palpatine has in place is to basically just blow up the planet and and sacrifice his fleet to kill every single Rebellion slash New Republic ship out there um, and and kind of start clean, start fresh. And, and he's got a, a, a group of people that will act as a leader force. Uh, to rebuild on, on a clean slate, uh, which would then be uh, the first order, right? Um, but that plan actually fails, and Jakku doesn't blow up, and uh, and as a result, there's scars of this massive battle that happened all over Jakku. So you see all these ships that have like sunken into the sand thirty years later, which Rhea's you know scavenging around in and stuff like that. So. It was a really cool build-up moment, and of course, this show taking place four years after that battle, you know, the the new the new republic is like, there's nothing out there. Like we we beat the yeah. enemy already. Like we're done. Like not only is the empire completely gone, but the emperor is dead. Darth Vader's dead. The Death Stars are all gone. Like what more is there to worry? Still, about? you think they want some sort of force just for policing? I mean, we saw even in the in the prequel era, they were constantly finding like pirates and stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's exactly where the Jedi Order comes into play, right? Is that they are the guardians of peace and justice in the Republic, right? And and um, the book Master and Apprentice does a good job at recreating the spirit that I think a lot of us as uh, in our younger years maybe have read. Um, one of, one of my favorite book series, at least, was uh, the Jedi Apprentice and the Jedi Quest books. Mm. Did either of you guys read those way back when? The Scholastic? Yeah, the Scholastic ones. I never did because I was just a little bit too old for them. They kind of they were coming out and kind of gauged for like the age, maybe like three or four years younger than me. So I never okay. did, but I, I remember seeing them when they came out. Yeah, so a lot of them were t- coming out around the same time that um, that at- uh, Attack of the Clones was was uh, coming out. Um, the Jedi Apprentice film, uh, the books came out around the same time as The Phantom Menace, around 1999 to 2001. Uh, and then the the final series, which was called Fate of the Jedi, came out around 2005 and ended uh, around 2008. I think it was. Okay, I think it's those ones so, I was thinking of. 
Yeah, so that's the last series that they did, which is 10 books. But the two, the series before that, which was called Jedi Quest, was about Anakin and Obi-Wan. And then uh, the series before that was about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. And hmm. both these series were were really well uh, establishing this relationship between mat- Master and Apprentice and did a great job at showing how the Jedi act uh, on other planets doing missions that aren't war-related. Because if you think about it, the Clone Wars and the prequels they do a great job at showing us how capable the Jedi are at leading an army, but that's not what they're supposed to do. And, and that's the whole purpose as to why Yoda says, you know, we've failed because they went out and did something that they never stood for in the first place. Like they weren't supposed to take up arms against anybody because they're peacekeepers. You know, they're, they're peacekeepers leading a war. They're hypocrites. Right. And so that's why I love the prequel so much because they do such a great job at bringing in all these like different things that makes you think, but um, but in a time in which Obi-Wan to Luke really gives him that golden age feeling of like the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic, you know, before the dark times, before the Empire, you know, before everything. And uh, and, and that's that's like the real sort of Jedi that we that we need to see and that we haven't seen very much of. Like that's the that's the Luke Skywalker sort of Jedi that that we want to see in this time. And uh around this time I think is the perfect time to have a, a person like that so I mean that goes into my next thing is like I would love a TV show about young Luke Skywalker trying hmm. to rebuild the Jedi Order and all that stuff that would be fantastic that would, that would be, be very cool. interesting. Yeah. interesting would you want that to be animated or live action I, I, I wouldn't care I mean honestly if it was live action I hope the problem that we is would get a... have to recast Mark Hamill if it was live action yeah. right that's the that's the only thing yeah so I mean animated I'd be I'd be down for animated um uh, uh, that level in Battlefront 2 that was 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 pretty good though. I really liked playing as Luke for that brief moment. That was uh, so cool. Yeah, honestly, yeah. If they did a video yeah. game about it too. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, that would be fantastic. And and he was out uh, looking at one of the one of the Emperor's uh, um, uh, sort of like Hi. outlying bases or whatever what what did he call it again ah oh, yeah i can't remember it was like a vault or something yeah like it was that. like a, it was like a vault and there was a there was a name for it as well observatory but, um, uh yeah observatory thank you yeah so uh this is actually something that popped up in the aftermath books as well was the fact that the emperor's got all these observatories all over the place but um oh, right because yeah. they were looking into uh beyond the outer rim that's right yeah exactly so um so uh, as Luke Skywalker in this level, you, you take out one of his observatories and uh, he finds this compass in, in this observatory, which ends up being the compass that he has in The Last Jedi sitting on a shelf, which plays no role in the story, but it was just a nice little cameo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a nice little little cameo there. But uh, but uh, I was like, I was like, wow, that's that's so cool that they that they have that they acknowledge the fact that Luke is out there. You know, he's kind of separated himself away from this rebellion that he has now accomplished a huge goal. I mean, and for him, you know, taking up arms against the Empire became a very personal thing once he realized that Vader was his father. It then became a personal sort of, you know, I'm out there to redeem or fight my father and become a Jedi, right? Like, that's his only goal, his only objective. And that's why in Return of the Jedi and in Empire Strikes Back, He's always leaving the, the rebellion. He's always just ditching because, like, he's off to accomplish something that nobody else has uh, this responsibility to do, right? Um, and uh, and I've always wanted a TV show or a, or just more about 
that Luke Skywalker in canon, because there's been a lot about that in the EU. But yeah. in, in canon, we've got hardly anything. Which is funny because in the original expanded universe, immediately after Return of the Jedi, Luke, uh, as we find him, is going planet to planet and just trying to like stop disputes, like the like the Jedi of old. Is exactly what he was doing. And then they end up, you know, meeting Thrawn and doing that whole thing. But yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> Um, well, we've run pretty long now, so I guess uh, I guess we should probably wrap up. Did you, is there anything you guys wanted to wanted to talk about really quickly? Oh, I think that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. we covered all my notes. All right, sounds good. All right, well, I guess we'll uh, catch you guys next week. Cool. Thanks for having me, man. It's a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, one thing I forgot to bring up, actually, today was uh, the helmet thing. So uh, basically, I just went to the store and saw the X-Wing helmet, uh, the Black Series, you know, scaled replica. And uh, I wasn't too impressed with the paint job on it, the weathering. Uh, not my favorite. So uh, I actually had to... It was a sad pass on that one, but uh, I went for the Vader helmet instead, which is pretty good. But anyway, um, enough said about that. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next week for the next episode. Of course, we got uh, episode five around the corner. The Mandalorian. Uh, it, the episode is called The Jedi. So obviously, this is going to be the the episode to bring in Ahsoka from Star Wars: The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Uh, been waiting for this for years to see a live action version of this character. Uh, still a little upset that they didn't cash actually Ashley Eckstein for the character I, uh, this time around for live action but you know i i'm speaking a little too soon i guess we'll have to wait and see but uh but yeah i mean we'll uh <clears throat> we got multiple ways that you can reach out to the show uh the escape outlook.com and our twitter feed is at sw escape podcast uh so you can get daily updates and uh and uh, just a, a better one-on-one sort of communication uh, through that platform uh, we also got our discord and multiple other ways to drop a voicemail in the description at our speak pipe address and uh, if you guys could rate a five star and share with your friends that would be fantastic and help us out a lot so feel free to reach out and uh, looking forward to hearing from you if you do we'll see you guys next time and may the force be with you